Let me tell you something about babies. We hate peace. It's in our nature. The average baby is seven pounds and five ounces of pure chaos. I never understood why those Italian painters from way long ago used to put us in all of their paintings of heaven. It's like the painting's going great. They're working through the checklist. Clouds everywhere. Peaceful. Someone playing the harp. Peaceful. Bunch of naked bitches with tasteful sea cups. Peacefully shit. But then you got a bunch of fat babies with wings. What's less peaceful than a baby? We scream when everybody else is sleeping. And when everyone else wakes up, we shit ourselves. And you want to add wings to that? Chaos. Yes, sir. All babies hate peace, and most won't even tell you why. But I'll tell you today, yes, sir. I'll tell you when I started hating peace. Started when I was living in Chinatown with the Japanese. I spent two days living with a warrior for the Yakuza and his comely wife. The first day, I couldn't get enough of peace. I was seven days old, what did I know? I thought peace was sitting down with an ancient book of poems and the bottle of cognac, but ever since I was eight days old, I hated peace. It was six in the morning and everyone else was sleeping, so I started crying. Now I know what you're thinking. Kid's eight days old, what's he got to cry about? And the answer's nothing, probably. But I had a new daddy figure, and he was sleeping peacefully, and I wanted him to demonstrate that he loved me. So I stopped crying for attention. But when I started crying, it wasn't the warrior who came rustling through the bamboo curtain which sectioned up my room. It was Father Frank. My old boss who I ran with when I was a gangster. Frank said, hush little baby, it's peace time. I says to Father Frank, Father Frank, what do you mean it's peace time? Peace says Father Frank, is what happens when I get what I want. Father Frank misunderstood my question. He thought I was asking what peace meant because when I met Father Frank, I didn't know what a lot of things meant. What do you expect? I was a baby. But now I was eight days old and I wasn't having it. So I says to Father Frank, hey Father Frank, what do you mean you got what you wanted? Is the war over? Did the war help you get what you wanted? What in the hell was this war in the first place? Father Frank smiled at me like he was about to win another war. He says to me, little baby, it's all very confusing. Impossibly so for someone so young. Why don't you tell me what you know about the war and I'll try to make it make sense. I said, I know I'm young, Christ's sakes, I'm a baby. But I saw Ry the Wino get his head knocked off when he was younger than I am now. I know the fellow who killed him. And I know he's not evil. In fact, he lost a baby in this war himself. And he says it's your fault. Now I don't know much, but I know that if that happened because of the war and that the war is over, I need to know why. And Father Frank took in what I said with a deep breath. Then he says to me, Little baby, it's fucking impossibly confusing. But that's the way things are. Impossibly confusing. And when things are impossibly confusing, I try to look on the bright side. So I says to Father Frank, Father Frank, what's the bright side? 
He says to me, you and me are fine. And now we have access to every Yakuza-owned warehouse in the Meadowlands at a competitive rate. I says to Father Frank, Father Frank, is that all you wanted? Access to the Yakuza's warehouse? Is that what this war was about? Father Frank says, God no. I already had access, but now I have access at a competitive rate. Thanks to you. I says, you're welcome, boss. And I remember how much I liked having a boss, you know. Bosses are great at explaining things so babies can understand them. That's practically their whole job, as it is for any gangster who makes money sending babies to war. I cried for the warrior. I said, warrior, I want you to meet my boss. And I need you to wipe my ass, I shit myself. But when the warrior appeared, he wasn't holding wet ones. He was holding a letter of unconditional surrender from the supreme kingpin of the Yakuza. Standing next to him was the postwoman who delivered it. The warrior bowed down stupid low to Father Frank as a sign of gracious surrender. When he stood back up, Father Frank put a hole in his head. What the fuck? I says. Why did you do that? I had to take him out. The supreme kingpin of the Yakuza is in love with that guy's wife. Him and his son were part of our deal. Sorry, little baby. That's war. I says, I thought you said this was peacetime. He says, I did say that, huh? Yeah, well, peace, war, tomato, potato. Let's throw the whole thing out and have dinner, what do you say? I didn't say anything. I just kept looking at the warrior's wife. I wanted to be strong for her. But she wasn't crying either. Not even as the Supreme Kingpin's henchmen came in to cart her away. She just stared blankly into the face of her slain lover. And though little of his face remained, her eyes seemed emptier than his. One day I'll save her, but on that day, I was only eight days old. And as it was, I couldn't take my eyes off that post office woman who was standing next to Father Frank, waiting for his permission to leave. I'd never seen a post office woman before, and I didn't like what I saw. The sight of that woman standing in my father's uniform made me feel sick, and it wasn't just because I could tell the polyester was hiding a pair of tasteful C-cups. I says to her, hey post office lady. I didn't feel right calling a lady a post office bitch. I says to her, what are you doing here? Chinatown is my daddy's route. Where is the post office bitch? And once again, the post office woman looked at Father Frank as though she needed permission. Boss that he is. Father Frank answered my question. Your daddy took a personal day, baby. I said to Father Frank, Father Frank, my dad can't take a personal day. He works for the government. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night could stay that cunt from the swift completion of his appointed rounds. Father Frank says, what are you, a poet now? Your dad ain't well, little baby. Come with me. I'll explain it over dinner. So I get in Father Frank's car, he drives me to dinner. He certainly wasn't doing any explaining then. Even his car was silent. It's a Prius, Japanese. When I was with the Japanese in Chinatown, I read a shit ton of poems about how peaceful silence was. But by the time I was driving in silence in Father Frank's Japanese Prius, I hated silence and I hated peace. A tree can be peaceful and it's silent its whole peaceful life until the day it falls on top of it. Father Frank's silence was starting to feel a little like that. I was so worried, I didn't even think about how what I just said would make a badass poem. Why wouldn't he tell me where my daddy was? 
Why was he taking me out of the Meadowlands? To take my head off? I didn't even know! But when Father Frank drove up to his childhood home and invited me inside for Sunday dinner with his family, I didn't know which fate was worse. But I'll tell you what, the second Father Frank stepped out of his car into his father's house, he was feeling good. He kissed his father on the cheek, slapped his mother on the ass, he points to me and finally speaks. Somebody pour this fatherless son of a bitch a drink! Suddenly I'm thinking about how peaceful the silence was. Father Frank's mother walks up to me and says, Something to drown your sorrows, dear. I think to myself, sorrows? What sorrows do I gotta drown? I'm only eight days old. Of course I don't say that, that's the boss's mother, and I'm not about to disrespect my elder, so I bow politely and say, Cognac, sweetheart. Father Frank says, Look at this kid! One day in Chinatown and he's already bowing! Kid's gone native! Next thing you know he's gonna be asking us to take our shoes off! He's fucking hee-heeing and ha ha And just as I was starting to rethink my policy about disrespecting elders, Father Frank's father came to my defense. You leave him be. One day at war can last a lifetime. But what would you know about that? Father Frank didn't say anything. And suddenly I remembered how Father Frank had a troubled relationship with his father. And as I sat in silence at the Sunday table of the two respective fathers, Frank, I couldn't stop thinking about my poem about the silent tree. Father Frank's mother poured us each a cognac, and Father Frank broke the tension with a joke. You little cunt, he says to me. I've known you all your life. Fucking kid goes to war for one day, comes back without a sense of humor. Now to Father Frank, that was just a joke. But having come back from war myself just earlier that morning, I saw the joke for what it really was. A war dance, and an elegant one at that. Father Frank was a samurai warrior of not getting shitted on. All bosses are. You walk up to them, try to call them on their shit, next thing you know, they're five feet above your head, ready to shit all over you. You call Father Frank out for shitting on you, he wraps an insult inside of a joke and makes a holiday turducken of personal attacks trapped inside of distracting endearments. It's a joke, sweetheart, Father Frank continues, demonstrating again that he knows my humor while simultaneously weaponizing it against me. So how's about it, little baby? How's it feel to be home? Home? I said. I don't know. I haven't even been home yet, Frank. I'd, I'd sure like to find out. This fucking kid, says Father Frank. His balls haven't even dropped yet, so he's trying to break mine. Come on, baby. I mean, how's it feel to be home from war? And I hate that he said that. The balls that haven't dropped thing is a real soft spot for babies. It's that and a soft spot. But I'm no stranger to the dance of war, so I step aside and let Frank lead till it's my turn to spin. I tell you, Frank, I says to Frank, being home feels a lot better in your home. I mean, look at this place. You gotta have some sun to set you up in a place like this. Look at these walls. Every one of them's got a painting. Real quality type shit. You got the paintings with the clouds and the harps and the babies with the wings. You got a print of the last up over there. Looks like it got signed by Jesus himself. Uh, let's drink to Frank. I lift my cognac. Frank's parents smile. Frank himself nods his head in approval. And then, I dip. Here's to a son who buys his parents a house, 
fills it with paintings of a guy he don't even believe in. You see, the reason everyone in New Jersey called Father Frank, Father Frank, is because Father Frank was the only guy in New Jersey who wasn't a Catholic. And not everyone knows this, but it was Father Frank's father who gave him that name. Father Frank's disavowment of his father's God had been a major source of tension between Father Frank and his father. And when I broke that tension with a joke, I had him tee-heeing like you wouldn't believe. So I decided to toss him another. Hey, Father Frank's father, did you ever hear the one about the time your son killed a nun just for sleepwalking? No, no, why'd he do that? He thought she was a roaming Catholic. Oh, 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 she was a nun. He would have killed her either way. I was killing Father Frank's father. And I could see that it was killing Father Frank. But I went too far. That's the thing about a war dance. When you go for the kill, you gotta make sure that your partner isn't ready to swing you back around. And baby, did Frank swing me. Hey baby, says Frank. Speaking of fathers, did you happen to know that yours went postal? Oh, Franklin, whispered Father Frank's mother as she poured me another cognac. Father Frank says to her, What? It's a joke! Father Frank's father says, It's not a joke, Franklin. The, f the boy's father went postal. It's what happened. So I says to Father Frank, Hey, Father Frank, what's going postal? Father Frank took my question in with a deep sigh, and I saw the resentment leave his eyes. Look, baby, uh, I didn't mean to tell you this way, but, uh, yeah. Going postal is what happens when you've been working your government job for too long, and one day you just, um... I mean, well, let's look this way. Your dad's in jail now. Do you know what jail means? I says to him, jail's where you go when the government's done with you. Yes, uh, well, after a fashion. Uh, in this instance, the government has more planned for your father yet. Uh, how do I say this? Do you remember when I sent you to war? I says, sure, yesterday. Father Frank says, Well, yesterday, uh, when I went to your house, the Yakuza followed me. And you and I left before they showed up. And I says to him, So? So, uh, they found your mother instead. And later still, uh, when your father came back down for breakfast, there was no one there to tell him how you'd gone off to fight the Japanese. Uh, in fact, there was only his dead wife uh, on the ground. And I says to him, oh. Father Frank says, yeah. And he did not handle that so well as you're handling it now. Uh, he acted real strange at work all day. Started screaming and crying, telling anyone who'd listen about how the world's, you know, God forsaken, except there's no God to begin with. And uh, I guess he told a couple of people who wouldn't listen, and those were the ones who fired him. So yeah, he lost his government job. Uh, and I think, silver lining, uh, that that was actually the final straw that broke him, not the harrowing discovery of your assumed death. In case you were feeling guilty about that. 
Though I imagine his firing compounded with the discovery of your mother's corpse was certainly... Whatever the reason, he went back to the post office an hour later and, well, uh... He, he shot everyone he saw in the head. So my mommy is dead and my dad is going postal? Went postal, dear. It's over now, said Father Frank's mother. Yeah, says Father Frank. There's a bright side for you. It's certainly all over now. Last thing he did was mail his journal to the Star Ledger. They published it all on the front page. The post office bitch speaks. And once again, Father Frank read a few sections of my father's diary aloud to me. But this time, the dirty words didn't make me giggle. In fact, at that Sunday dinner, I experienced the least peaceful silence of my entire life. And I was only eight days old. I stared quietly at the paintings on the walls till I finally said, You know what? Maybe all those Italian painters from way long ago had it right after all. You try and paint your paradise, you make it nice and peaceful. You get your clouds and your hops and your beautiful ladies with the tasteful seacups. And then chaos flies in like a fed baby with wings, declares war on your peace. And then shit's all over everything. Well, there's a thought, said Father Frank's father. Father Frank said, Hey kid, what are you, a fucking poet now? And his parents were falling out tee-heeing and hee-heeing, and you know what? So was I. It felt good to be back in New Jersey, laughing at the jokes of anti-intellectuals. So I fired a joke right back. Hey, Father Frank, if your mother worked on this Sunday gravy the way I work on my fucking poems, this ragu might not look like something I found in my diaper after a couple too many cognacs. Now we're all laughing because in New Jersey, we love to disrespect our elders. It's a cultural thing. It makes us laugh. Hey, baby, says Father Frank. Here's a poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. Life is all fucked and fuck you too. It felt good to see Frank getting in on it, even though I did not care for his American poetry or the sentiments therein. Still, I felt a strange sense of calm just being among familiar, laughing Italian faces. Now that's not to say I had a real friend in the room. Father Frank's folks were perfect strangers. Even Father Frank I only knew four days and I was half sure he wanted to kill me. But the faces were familiar. Me, I'm eight days old. But you spend eight days in New Jersey, and you're going to see enough faces like these to fill eight lifetimes. They're tough faces. And it's tough lives what made them that way. The faces are all a little sad. But you know what? They belong to sweethearts. And you can make them even sweeter by making them laugh. Father Frank pinched my cheek and said, I tell you this, baby, if I spend one more Sunday dinner yucking it up with a bunch of old gangsters, I'm gonna be the one going postal next. And of course that was a thoughtless thing to say, but it didn't make me feel bad. It was just a joke. They're not all gonna be funny, but there's peace in laughing anyhow. And by the time I was nine days old, I had made my peace with peace. 
After dinner, Frank told me I could live with him as long as I wanted. But over nightcaps, we started cracking jokes and watching Ray Liotta movies. And Father Frank's father teehee'd a little louder at one of my jokes than Father Frank's. Before the credits even rolled, I was at a silent Prius getting dropped off at my grandpa's house. I was better off. Sure, my grandpa was the worst fella I'd ever met, but he lived with Kimiko and she was a sweetheart. We stayed up till midnight and I rang in my ninth day with her. And in any case, my grandpa turned out to be a non-issue. Apparently when he saw my dad's picture in the paper, he fell silent and aged a lifetime in a single day. I mean, this guy couldn't remember anything. Simple words, Kimiko's name. He claimed he couldn't even remember who my dad was, but he never stopped staring at his picture in the paper. Real gloomy shit. It's no wonder Kimiko was happy for my company. I was cracking jokes since I showed up there, saying silly shit like that I was gonna stop drinking. And Kimiko understood my humor. She'd say, Little baby, you're only eight days old. No more cognac for you. And I'd say, okay, okay. Then the second she turned around, I'd light up a stogie. She'd say to me, You can't smoke, little baby. You're a little baby. And I'd say, I smoke for my faith. Each cigar brings me five minutes closer to God. And Kimiko says, Little baby, you're a poet, and you do not even know this. What you just said was a perfect haiku. And I'd say, come on, that was just a joke, sweetheart. And Kimiko would say, little baby, if that's a joke, will you tell me another? So I do. I says to Kimiko, you know, I did quit drinking. Now I freeze it, eat it like a popsicle. And Kimiko says, eh, that's nice, baby, but a haiku is meant to be five syllables followed by seven syllables followed by five syllables. Your second and third line take liberties with that form. And I says to Kimiko, hey, Kimiko, a haiku isn't just a 575 pattern totaling 17 syllables. It's an extremely content-specific art form. A haiku focuses on a brief moment in time in its first line, uses its second line to evoke imagery found in nature, and finishes its third line by repeating words and sounds from its first line, all while being spoke in a single breath. Now I know my little ditty about the cognac wasn't perfect, but I thought we were just having fun here. Kimiko says, I'm fucking joking. I'm an old woman. My tits hang below my ass. I've been a nurse 80 years, and I spent most of that time in New Jersey. What the fuck do I care about perfection? Now go on. Be a sweetheart and tell me another haiku. As Kimiko's talking, we hear a car pull up and then screech away. Father Frank left the mobile of the solar system on my porch with a note saying, You're fired. Thanks for your service. Kimiko hung it over my crib with one hand and rubbed my back with the other. I says to a Kimiko, don't you ever go away. Looking at your face, I feel like I won a war. Suddenly, I heard an ancient, resentful voice shouting from through the wall. Don't say war, Grandpa spat. Now me, I'm eight days old. My balls are so full of youthful arrogance they haven't even dropped yet. But I decide I'm going to empty them on the old man anyhow. I says to him, oh yeah? And why shouldn't I say war, you mouse? And Kimiko slaps my ass for saying that. It's a cultural thing, elders. I didn't take it personal. What really stung me was the pain I heard in the old man's voice when he answered from beyond the thin wall. I don't know, he whimpers. I'm confused. What is war? I can't remember what it means. And for the first time in my life, I felt a kinship with my grandfather. 
I was pretty forgetful myself, mind you. Only yesterday morning, I was a soldier in war. But that already felt like a lifetime ago. I was even starting to forget what happened to me when I was two days old. I hear that's how it is for most babies. We get rid of old memories to make room for the new ones coming in. Now, I can't speak to what it's like becoming an old man, but I knew my grandpa was forgetful as shit. And if he was anything like me, he knew that deep down, it's because he was getting ready for whatever was coming next. So I bowed to him from inside my crib. And I bowed stupid low to Kimiko. And I told them both a haiku. War is what happens when men have to fight for mice. War is meaning's end. Kimiko spun my mobile, and I stared up at the moon rising and falling across my little solar system. She says to me, Little baby, did you become a poet when you went to war? And I smiled, totally at peace. I says to her, No way! As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a poet.